News Radio 840 WHAS. Good Sunday morning. Bob Sekola and the Louisville Real Estate Show here with you till the top of the hour. With us is Kevin Dissler, who's an attorney with Pitt and Frank Attorneys at 895-9900. Good to have you here, Kevin. And hey, also... Good morning, all. Good morning. Back by popular demand, in for Randy wow. Rocky, Steve Phillips from Swan Financial at 6450736. My son, Greg, who does our marketing and photography and so much more. And you can reach me because we're constantly looking to uh, help you with selling your home and to help the buyers find homes. You can reach me directly on my cell phone at 376-5483. Just uh, if you don't want to wait till after the show's over with. So that would be great. Coming up a little later on today's show, what should you do before interest rates rise? And they are going to go up. You know, it's the old inevitable thing. What comes down goes back up again, basically, or what goes up goes down. But this is going up. So let's start with the, the big headline that we talked about last week, uh, Kevin, Stephen, and that's the this new CDC guideline that says that uh, the renters can't be forced out of their homes. And Kevin, you have a take on this from a legal perspective, I thought would be of interest. Well, I, you know, the question that I have is, you know, it, a lot of a lot of good legal minds believe it's unconstitutional for the CDC to take the action. But I think they did it just because by the time October rolls around, the court will get around to actually reviewing it. And from their standpoint, you know, it'll pretty much make it a moot point at that point. But the CDC felt the need with the, the Delta variant to take this step. And the question is whether it's legal or not. But if you're a mom and pop that owns a fourplex and you're trying to collect the rent, it's just yet another burden on you. Yeah. And that's what we were talking about last week. What happens to the mom and pops or companies or whomever that owns a, uh, a rental unit and yeah. the mortgage companies are knocking at their door saying, Hey, you owe us mortgage. And they're saying, well, I don't have the money. I haven't been able to collect it from my yeah, that's That's why last week I asked the question, Kevin, is where, where's the rental relief that goes direct to the landlords? Why, why is there so many portals open for the tenants? There should be portals open for landlords yeah. to directly access this money that the government's giving to the States rather than relying on the tenants who we've already proven, whether you want to take a side on reliability and, or their just ability to live and when they get a dollar, if they're going to put it in their food or whatever, or their roof over their head and, and, and still rely, rely on the system versus being weaned off the system. So my, my whole solution, or, or not, not this grand solution, would be to start allowing landlords to collect this money directly rather than putting it through the tenants and shedding aside sure. money for them. And, and that I should have I should have related. One of the other issues for the extension were a lot of the money went out to the states and the cities to give and create programs to reimburse landlords. Right. That process, as we all know, in Kentucky with unemployment, you have bureaucracies trying to filter right. money through. So the thought was, if you give another couple of months, perhaps landlords could. And actually, I think in Kentucky, there is a process that you can have your tenant do an application. It's just, it takes time. I'm yeah, we went over it. it's there's a, it's a Louisville.gov. It's called uh, it was rental like, uh, assistance. Yeah, there was a rental assistance program. The application yeah. was there. But my whole my, where I take on with it with that is why? Why do you have to force your tenant to do it? You're the one who who's obviously yeah. responsible for the note at the end of the day with the bank. I know Congress allocated 45 billion in rental assistance. Where is it? 
but only a small sliver of the money's been spent so far. So there, there's 18 months of rent that could be covered. You got to apply for it again, uh, rental assistance. And you, Greg, you said you had a website where the people can yeah, go. Yeah, if to- you just go to uh, Louisville.gov, there is a COVID assistance program. It's called the Neighborhood Place. Um, if you go to direct right now, I have a link up because I've been talking a lot about it on my social media. Um, if you go to just search Greg Sokoler, S-O-K-O-L-E-R in uh, social media, take you to my, my Instagram page. It'll show you all the cool stuff we're doing with homes and you can help get direct somebody to a rental assistance program there. Kev, you sent me over a uh, an email with uh, the headline, is this what's really behind the war on home ownership? Well, I mean, this is a, really getting to be a pressing issue in the local market. You've got some really large uh, private hmm. buyers of rental homes. Usually you'll find in the 250 to 150 level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll just say this, say Greg gets a listing in that area. He puts it on MLS. He gets immediate computer generated email. Yeah, uh, perhaps. <laughs> and this happened to us. Well, yeah. yeah and, and we probably close two or three a week. One of them's uh, Main Street Renewal, which yeah. is actually out yep. in the East End. Yeah. But they're buying up all the homes that that would be qualified starter homes in the area. So mm-hmm. usually a young couple they have to get to the starter home to move up to kind of help us all out in our particular industry, but they're buying it up. Uh, the article also talks when the standard deduction was kicked up in the last tax bill, most young couples don't get much of a tax benefit of home ownership in writing off property tax and mortgage interest. Now, you know, they can still do that, but the standard exemption is so high now, especially in the Louisville market, that that rent versus home ownership from a financial standpoint. And the other thing which Greg could address, there's a millennial asset light generation that likes oh, to share. Oh, listen, another full episode. <laughs> All these Bloomberg articles about how my generation doesn't want to own a home. Absolute BS. <laughs> these big uh, hedge funds that are buying up these homes and trying to make it seem like the, the home ownership dream is no longer a thing. I mean, Steve can attest the amount of equity that I've built in myself in the past four years by just owning a home and being told that that's if if I was listening to the news articles and not being able to attain and actually just physically do it. And, and, and why are all these companies, why are all these hedge funds getting in the, in the the, the world of being, I'll give you a quick answer to that out of the goodness of their heart. They they borrow the money at one and a quarter. Exactly. You you can get about 8% on it, but I tell you, it's a big issue. Everyone's seen all the apartment units that have been yep, thrown up all over say, town the last four years. Units. I was literally just talking about this on my story yeah. the other week. This is That's, all coming. Do we want to? We want to live in a society here locally where everybody's in an apartment and you're stuck in an apartment for life, which are also owned by the hedge fund companies, by the way. Yeah. But I, I think it's really getting to be a critical mass now. There's so many uh, first-time home buyers that are. Are they going to be? living well, and dwelling in apartment units or rental homes for the rest of your lives. So we're operating under COVID and Zoom guidelines, so we can't take phone calls on the air, but we can read your questions. So if you've got a question about real estate, anything, quite frankly, send me an email, bob at com, and then put in the subject line radio question and give me the question in the body of the email. We'll read it like this one from Charlie, who writes that he and his wife are about to purchase their first home and they're not using an agent and purchasing a home that's on the market for sale by owner. What can they do to protect themselves as they move through the process because they know nothing about buying a home? Kevin? 
Well, first of all, I think it would be in the best interest to hire a, a real estate agent to represent their interest. I mean, it's not a uh, an easy process to go through anymore with all the the hoops that you have to go through with inspections, appraisals, different regulations that are in effect. And if they're not going to do that, then that would also retain an attorney here locally. I mean, there's mm -hmm. there's a lot of liability that they can jump into. You have couples that buy houses that have mold exposure. They have title issues. They have structural issues. They could be making a uh, decision, a rather poor decision that basically, uh, uh, from a financial standpoint, runs their life for a period of time. So the first recommendation is realtor. If not, get a, get a good local real estate attorney. So just to keep that in mind as well. But Kevin's right. If, regardless, you need some representation somehow, whether it's legal or a real estate agent, because you're you're in an area that um, you're flying blind. Moving on, we've got a question with regard, Steve, to Wayne has uh, emailed in. He says he's been reading up on getting his first mortgage. So what is a FICO score, and how will it affect his mortgage rate and payments? Let's start with what a FICO score is. Yeah, so FICO score is... Um, from a lender's perspective, we actually don't use FICO scores, but FICO score is, is generally known as your credit score. What our lenders are going to look at is they actually look at the bureaus, Equifax, Experian, TransUnion. Each of those three bureaus generates their own individual score. Our lenders will look at all three scores. They're going to take the middle of the three scores, and it's that middle score they're going to grade us on. Uh, the higher the middle score, the more program options are going to open up to you. So um, we want to look at your, your bureaus, not so much the FICO. Um, and when we pull a mortgage or a credit report, it is mortgage rated. There's more involvement in it than if you were getting a credit card or a auto. Kevin, uh, Karen is writing and says, uh, uh, asking about problems she's seeing in her new home. She says nothing showed up when she had an inspection. So good for her for having an inspection. But now the bathroom shower is showing black marks. I guess that's mold. I think the boyfriend is saying it's mold. And she's wondering, how does she report this and to who? And what does she do? So she's closed. She's living in the house. How long? She doesn't say how long ago she closed on it. But what does the average homeowner have in terms of once they close on a home to have repairs done or report back and say something's wrong? It needs to be fixed by the previous owner. Well, the usual standard is after you, you know, it sounded like she had the home inspected. She had the opportunity to uh, to request any type of repairs or additional information from the seller. But afterwards, you have to basically make a claim of fraud, which means that with a reasonable inspection that the seller either knew about it and failed to disclose it to you or made some effort to conceal the issue. So say that they knew that there was a mold issue and they went through with bleach and whatever else so that mm. they could steal it. Then you'd have a nice claim against the seller. But most of the time, it's the old caveat emptor standard, which is a Latin term for the buyer beware. Again, that's why you get a realtor on your side. That's why you get a very good reputable home inspection company so that they can also make recommendations to you. Like in this case, if there's any suspicion of mold, then you have a mold expert come in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I always thought the term caveat emptor came from the Brady Bunch movie from Mr. Brady. I always thought there, we go. That. there you go. Greg. <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't think you were old enough to watch the Brady Bunch. Uh, oh, movie. Well, I was. Uh, I, I didn't think Nick so either. See, my generation still had like we had the classics with Nick at Night with like I Love Lucy 
I mean, we had like the original, uh, what was the Shlemiel Shlemazel? Um, that was Laverne and Shirley. 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 Them. Oh my God, yeah, we grew up with that. I grew yeah. up with that. All right. Come on. We, uh, just so you know, if you would like to see what people are saying about us, our reviews, go to louisvillezillow.com. And if you want to read or see on video some of the things people are saying about our efforts to help sell their home, you can go to louisvillesellerstalk.com. And if you want to see a replay of this show, you can go to louisvilleanswers.com. That will redirect you to a YouTube channel where we've got these standing by. We're going to take a break and come back in just a moment with what you should do before interest rates rise. In for Randy Rocky, Steve Phillips from Swan Financial, and his number is 6450736. Kevin Disler uh, from Pitt and Frank Attorneys, 895-9900. My son, Greg, who does our marketing, photography, and so much more. And you can reach me. Anytime, 376-5483. Bob Sikola, I'm here for you. 376-5483. Back in a moment on News Radio 840 WHAS. Need a home loan or refinancing? You need to talk to Randy Rocky at Swan Financial. Why have they become so popular? Because of our programs, our service, and our competitive rates. And now listen to this new program from Swan Financial. Yes, we have a 1% down program that also you will get 2% grant money from the investor. Call Randy Rocky today at 866-766-1920. Swan Financial, NMLS 2473 and 26362. Equal housing opportunity. Call for additional cost information. Other restrictions may apply. Pitt and Frank has long served your real estate closing needs throughout the Louisville and Southern Indiana area, including our newest location in Oldham County across from the Southeast Christian Church in Crestwood. But did you know that Pitt and Frank can assist you with your estate planning and long-term care needs? Don't leave your loved ones the burden of being unprepared. There are solutions available to protect assets and income as well as plan for your long-term care. Call us today at Pitt and Frank. 502-895-9900. That's 502-895-9900. Shopping for a home? The place to start is Remax Properties East. Experienced, caring, top-producing agents who service all of Louisville and surrounding areas. On your computer or on your smartphone, head to homesinlouisville.com and sign into one of the most advanced home search sites in the country. That's homesinlouisville.com. Residential or commercial real estate, let the award-winning agents at REMAX Properties East help. Take the first step in your house hunting journey. Visit homesinlouisville.com or call 425-6000 today. Hi, I'm Barbara Corcoran. I'm constantly asked by news sources how to best navigate today's real estate market. I call the brightest agents in the business to get their input. Hi, Bob. What's going on in Louisville? Hi, Barbara. The Louisville real estate market is hotter than we've ever seen it. I'm so happy to hear that. With our exclusive marketing plan, we can get sellers top dollar right now. Get the best advice from my friend, Bob Sokoler. Go to WeSellLouisville.com. Be safe and smart. News Radio 840 WHAS Bob Sikola, the Louisville Real Estate Show here with you to the top of the hour. With us is Kevin Disler, Pitt and Frank Attorneys, my buddy over there at 895-9900. Also, in for Randy Rocky is Steve Phillips, who's a loan officer at Swan Financial. And you can reach Randy and uh, Steve at 6450736. And my son Greg, who does our marketing photography and a lot more. And you can reach me 376 five four eight three so 
we were told the the Fed said a couple of months or so ago that they're not going to raise interest rates until 2023, and then they're going to raise them twice. The predictions are that in the next six months or so, we're going to see rates rise a little bit. Steve, help me here on this if you have heard, heard different. And then um, a couple of times in a little bit in 2022, but the 2023 is when the rates should go up in for short-term rates, which will necessarily transfer to uh, mortgage rates. Any thoughts on that, Steve? Um, well, just the fact that, you know, I mean, anyone out there, there's still, a, a, I, I can't remember how many tens of millions of homeowners still could benefit from looking at refinancing their mortgage. So what you just said is mm -hmm. the exact reasons why they need to get off the fence and do something, at least call up your local loan officer, um, and, and run some numbers with them. And, you know, if it isn't in your best interest, at least, you know, you're in your best position before we do start to see these rising or these rates going up. It's just a matter of time. It's, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. I remember just recently, like a week or two ago, somebody I heard refied for like a two six. Yeah, like, oh, they might have yeah. bought down. But I mean, still, that's it's amazing. No, uh, I mean, the rates had started to go up just what, about two or three months ago. Yeah. And in the last probably, oh, I guess 30 days, uh, 20 days or so, we've, we've seen them coming back down again. Back so, yeah, we saw, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, they're at the rates now where I've, I've got, I'm looking at bid twos on, on several different loans this week. Yeah. So just to give you an idea how important this is, if you own a home that's, let's say, you've got $300,000 left on the mortgage to pay off and your mortgage rate is at 4%, you're paying approximately $1,432 a month. Now, I'm not sure if that includes taxes and insurance, but uh, just giving you this graph. Now, if you were able to refi and bring it down to 2.75%, your mortgage monthly mortgage rate will drop from 1,432 to 1,225. So a little more than 200 bucks a month or 2,400 bucks a year, which- Okay, dumb millennial statement question. Yeah. So when you refi, because I've never had to refi, I've only been purchasing new. You're doing another 30 year, 15 year term. So right. say you're, say you're, you know, and I think maybe that's where the hesitancy is, right? Maybe you have a good amount paid off and you've only got, you got 20 years left and okay, maybe a 15 year rate looks better. Um, but what you're saying is there's still plenty of people to benefit, but I was trying to assume like, why doesn't everybody do it? And we'll go, okay. Cause you're doing another 30 year payment halfway through, or maybe you have 10 years left, but I'm sure there's multiple programs, but you can do 10 well, or 15, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you can do a 12 year, 17 year, 22 okay. year. We'll, okay. we'll yeah, this is where I have no but, uh, There's another uh, aspect. Uh oh, we lost you, Steve. We heard Steve say aspect. There's another aspect. Go oh, ahead. I'm so sorry. Yeah, You're back. You're no, he's back. You're back. You're back now. Go ahead. Yeah. So there's another aspect. Okay. Pick it up from there. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, it, it's a, so you've been in your home for X number of years, three years, five years. You want to refinance or at least look at doing the refinance. So we're going to save you $150, $300 a month, whatever that is. Your options as the homeowner is you can put that money into your pocket. It's your money. You can do that. Another option, however, that benefits you much more, especially long-term, is the fact that um, if you keep making your same payment, but at the lower interest rate, 
what you're doing is you're applying what, what used to be an interest payment. Now you're applying to a principal payment. Um, and not only are you, that's the money you're saving that 150 to $300 a month goes to a principal, but also because you have a lower interest rate, the percentage of what you do pay is shifted more in your favor for principal versus interest payments as well. So there's more involved with the reduced interest rate and there's a, a more principal payment with your monthly savings that you're already, uh, you know, your budget's already accounted for over the X number of years, months you've already been paying. And that's a really good way of looking at it. So folks, bottom line is we'll give out uh, the phone number for Steve and Randy over at Swan if you want more information on it, but that's a really good point that you make. Back to questions in uh, this also for you, Steve. Pamela says she's lived in her home five years, now has enough equity to cancel her private mortgage insurance. The lender keeps ignoring her request. What should we do? on this. So she really what we want to talk about private mortgage insurance in a couple of lines is what? Well, depending upon which program, um, but generally mortgage insurance should automatically drop off your mortgage. Once you hit, if you're in a conventional loan, I should caveat this. If you're in a conventional loan, mortgage insurance should drop off once you hit 78% of your original uh, uh, balance of the loan itself um, automatically. So you shouldn't have to reach out to your mortgage lender. However, with an appraisal, if you can verify the value with an appraisal, then they can drop it at 80% LTV uh, with an appraisal. But you have to notify the mortgage company. That you're saying that they will do it automatically, but that hasn't been the case all along. And Kevin, have you heard the same thing where the mortgage company should drop it off, but typically you as the homeowner have to keep track of what the percentage yeah. is. And then uh, you've got to go to the, the mortgage company and ask to have it removed. Well, and in office, often you have some confusion. You have the company that's servicing the debt. You have someone else that actually owns the debt. They're, they're supposed to automatically take it off when you hit a certain point. Yeah. And uh, sometimes there's a little bit of delay and confusion in doing that. But uh, I just wanted to add one other quick point. What we're seeing a lot, and I think they're talking about how the values of all the properties here in town have gone up. We're seeing a lot of demand for cash out refis huh? and the understanding from uh, different loan officers is they've made that a little bit more affordable and they think that perhaps the Biden administration may drop the credit scores. But we're seeing a lot of people going back to, uh, you know, about 20 years ago, you saw a cash out refis where people were trying to take the funds out of their house and uh, it was pre 2008, but we're starting to see a lot of them start to flow in again. But that's a danger signal, isn't it, Kevin? Because if we do that, and Steve, you got to agree, if there's no equity, if you've got no skin in the game to keep that mortgage going, you've cashed out on it, can't you just walk away and we have 2008 all over again? They're not going to let you cash out your 100% LTV. Okay. All right. If you say so. Is it 80% yeah. loan yeah. divide? Still on there? Yep. Okay. yep. If you say so, that, that works. Sue is writing in and says, my home is on the market, and she has had a showing as of yesterday. She says it appears someone was on her bed and broke a lamp next to it. And the next, uh, the agent who showed it says uh, his clients were not on the bed. So she's asking now what what type of legal action does she have? No, he says she said, huh? No kidding. Yeah. She, she would have the burden of making the claim, but unless you've got a camera going during the open house, which is probably not really a recommended, I mean, you have to prove that, that that individual's clients actually did it. I'm not quite sure how you could do that unless they just admitted it, which apparently they're not. So uh, unfortunately, it's you, your burden to prove it. And if you don't have any evidence other than, you know, 
that uh, they showed the house was fine and then it was broken, but you're probably going to need a little bit more than that. Got it. Back to you, Steve. Lulu heard something about a liar loan. She's running in to ask, what is it and should she consider it? Have you ever heard the term liar loan? <laughs> yeah. So what those are <laughs> yeah. are basically lenders uh, are starting to come out with these. Uh, and unfortunately, it's a remnant of 2008. Uh -oh. um, but liar loans, no documentation required, no income documentation, sometimes no asset documentation. Uh, you walk in, you tell them what you make, you tell them how much you have in the bank. They'll take it at your face value and give you a loan. So um, generally, those are higher risk, higher rates, uh, uh, and the lenders know that's what they're doing when they're lending it. So, well, fortunately, not the best fortunately, BlackRock's going to come out and buy all those houses that those people might get approved for anyway. So it's not going to matter. Yeah, they're so going to they're gonna have, to go, have to go rent, and they're not going to have the ability to own a home. This, this concerns me. It really does because we're seeing several things cash out. We're looking at the uh, no yeah. doc, no no doc uh, loans. It's, yeah. I, I would say what we're seeing today, like in the early 2000s, where people would run up credit cards, they would do a cash out refi to pay off the credit cards. Next year, they come back in again to refi yet again to pay off the credit cards they ran up. And yeah. that did kind of lead to the problems that we had. And we're starting to see it again. Be forewarned, be forewarned, everybody. You've heard it here. Uh, this question from Vicky for Kevin. She says that she just moved into her new home. And it appears her neighbors are party animals. That, according to Vicky, <laughs> they play music at very loud volume late at night. She does not have a homeowner association. And so she's not sure what to do. What do you suggest? Well, she can call up the local authorities. Are there nuisance uh, ordinances? In effect, I'm not sure if she's in the county or in a particular city. But, uh, you know, like I said, you can call up to, to the police department for late night parties and noise. And there, there are private nuisance statutes and they'll come by usually. And, you know, I'm, they used to come by and, and try to help the situation. But again, that's yeah. not high up on their agenda. No, no. So this, what you're saying is there's really nothing that she's going to be able to do with this? Yeah, you know, she wanted to hire an attorney and pay a lot of fees to sue them for creating some type of a nuisance, and uh, yeah. which you're not going to do that. But there's there's ordinances on the books to deal with that, like barking dogs in the middle of the night. It's just who do you call? You uh, you know, sometimes a, a, a letter from an attorney might have it, but then you have a neighbor that you're not, you can have a little bit of a frosty relationship with. Mm -hmm. If you write a nasty attorney letter to them, but usually, like if you're in the in a, in a city that. I'm just saying like St. Matthews, Yeah. you, you call them up, call the police, say, Hey, this is an issue. They may come by and, you know, talk to them a little bit about the time and the noise. Yeah. Get, put a scare into another words, what you're saying. So yeah, we'll, a little scare. Into a little scare. Sometimes it works. Sometimes not, not going to do good for, for neighbor relationships. <laughs> uh, Steve, uh, Robin is writing and says that she and her husband buying a home. They have filled out the mortgage paperwork with the wrong amount of income that they make combined. They got a pre-approval based on what they originally filled out, have put in an offer on a house, and now they're realizing that they've made a mistake uh, on with regards to their, their income. It was a little higher than what they make. What can happen at this point? 
Well, it's not really their mistake. It's their loan officers. Uh, before that loan officer ever should have sent out an approval letter, he should have asked for those income documents just uh-huh. to verify, to avoid this whole situation. Uh-huh. Um, so not necessarily their fault. They, you know, weren't aware of the situ- you know, the, the process of avoiding this. Um, so at this point, depending upon how much it is, basically they need to reach out to their loan officer and explain the situation, give them the income documentation so they can get the accurate calculation. It may not be anything. Their debt ratio may absorb that without any concern at all, it could dramatically impact the loan to the point where they can't close on the loan. Um, it just depends upon what the numbers show. But the first step is reaching out to the loan officer to find those answers. Because sooner or later, the loan officer or the underwriter with that mortgage company is going to find out the truth. Am I right about that? It's better to get it uh, dressed up front than after you've already paid for all the inspections and an appraisal. Yeah, it's such a complicated world, folks, that uh, with the detail that mortgage companies, and we're not talking about Swan, we're just talking about the industry, with the detail that mortgage companies require, and many times second time and third time, and they go back and look right before you close to see if you mm-hmm. still have the yeah. job, right? Because of COVID, that was in play. That yeah, in a few back days of closing. Yeah, that it it's almost, you got to be so upfront and so honest and without question, uh, tell the loan officer whatever the accurate information is, as, if it changes as soon as possible, because otherwise, goodness gracious, you could very, very easily uh, lose the, your dream house and have problems with that. We are out of time. If uh, one more uh, suggestion, again, to see what we're doing in terms of reviews, head to louisvillezillow.com. That's our location to read our reviews. We're very proud of our reviews and the folks that we've worked with. If you want to see what sellers are saying about us, go to louisvillesellerstalk.com. That's louisvillesellerstalk.com. My thanks to Steve Phillips. who did a great job filling in for Randy Rocky with the Swan Financial. And you can reach Steve and Randy at 645-0736. Also, my thanks to my buddy Kevin Disler over at Pitt and Frank Attorneys at 895-9900. Good to have both of you guys here today. And then my son, Greg, who does a marketing photography, so much more. And you can reach me anytime on my cell phone, 376-5483. We are out of time. We'll see you next Sunday on News Radio 840 WHAS.